Hello and welcome back to The Junto, a podcast dedicated to mastering the greatest game we'll ever play in, and that is the game of life. My name is Cornelius McGrath, and I'll be your host as we have the conversations that truly matter about work, life, and everything in between. The Junto is a podcast produced by Everyday Entrepreneur. If you're not already a member of EE, you're missing out. We're a membership-based platform for ambitious businesses and professionals who want to level up in the game of life. We provide a slew of bespoke experiences, content, community, and training to our members all over the globe. We're home to a fellowship program, lifestyle accelerator, talent collective, travel platform, and a quarterly magazine. In short, we've built a world that's capable of changing yours, regardless of what you do or where you reside. If you'd like to join or simply want to learn more, visit everydayentrepreneur.co or click the link in the description below. My guest today is Peter Pham, founder of Science Inc., the venture capital firm behind brands like Dollar Shave Club, Play Versus, and Liquid Death. As a venture capitalist, producer, and prolific dancer, Peter has a unique view on life, entrepreneurship, character, psychology, confidence, and everything in between. I had the chance to unpack what drives Peter, how he decides what investments to make, what founders to back, and why he's so in love with dancing. But most importantly, I got an inside look at the making of genius and how this incredible documentary came to life. Without further ado, here's Peter Pham. Peter Pham, uh, welcome to the Junto. It's great to start a, a chilly Friday morning in LA with you. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Um, thank you to Molly Swenson for, for introducing us. Uh, Molly, she's, she's amazing. Um, been on the show, longtime fan. I wanted to start with a peculiar question. Um, she told me you just picked up some cowboy boots in, in Austin. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm curious how you chose in, in that sea of, of options. Well, let's see. I bought my first pair of cowboy boots probably six years at South Bar at Heritage Boots in, on Com- South Congress. And it's this little... You got it's it's awesome. They, it's all handmade boots uh, from Mexico. All really unique designs. I didn't know Allen boots wasn't my thing. Like that was just too, the standard. Um, so they just had nicer quality and just different designs. And so my first pair were a pair of um, ostrich. My second pair were ostrich. And so when I went this time, uh, one day I guess they just sold the shop to some new owners, and they did. The, they just designed some new boots and had these arrows on it. Some black boots, some white arrows, and she was there. She just cut boots. And, I don't know. They looked different, looked cool. They were super comfortable. And uh, I got the black boots with these like, white arrows on it. Yeah. I, it takes a special type of man to rock cowboy boots, so my, my, my hat tip to you. Thanks. Well, you know, that, that and Asian, so. <laughs> How many Asians do you know for cowboy boots? I, I wore the cowboy boots last night, actually. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, look, it's great to have you with us. Um, super excited to kind of have you on the show and I'm really interested to kind of talk about the variety of projects that you're involved with. Um, I think it's safe to say most people kind of know you traditionally as an investor, um, but Molly connected us through the lens of kind of storytelling and filmmaking. Um, and I know you were one of the co-exec producers of Genius, which honestly was just a formidable uh, Netflix show on kind of the story of Kanye West. But before we get into that, I ask everybody the same question to begin Junto's, and it is, who the fuck is Peter Pham, and how does he think about the world? Uh, see, my number one passion is dancing. I love it. Uh, I, you, you'll see in my bios, it always starts with first on the dance floor. I find that it lets me express and let go and show everyone else that it's okay to kind of not, 
Uh, can we cuss on the show? I don't yeah, you can absolutely cuss. Yeah. And like, you know, don't give any fucks, right? Like, don't look for affirmations from others. Enjoy life, live a little, live the present, and don't be so concerned about what people think about you. And so, um, I kind of live that way. It's, I live very present, mostly because I have a terrible memory. Like, uh, ADHD diagnosed, also diagnosed with bottom 16 percentile memory. And so, a lot of the, I think I realized that I focus so much in the now because I want to enjoy it, knowing that I probably won't remember it later. That makes sense. Um, and so, I take opportunities. I love connecting people, working with people, giving people this energy and the best version of them, you know, down the path that I think they uh, should be. So, a lot of what I do is finding entrepreneurs. Um, incubating companies with them and just watching what I see in them kind of bloom into what the world will eventually see, right? So it's a great, amazing founder. Um, and, and it's been that way for a really long time. Uh, you know, building startups with us. I run Science, which is a venture incubator studio, whatever you want to call it. But we've been around for 10 years here in Santa Monica. And we work really closely with, you know, kind of they come and move into our office and we figure out what do we do today, this week, this month, this quarter, and let's go with usually some crazy ideas. Uh, it's been 10 years and we, one of our first ones was Dollar Shave Club, um, right? And Michael Dubin meeting him for the first time thinking this guy's like Richard Branson, but like 30 years early and taking what at that point, a crazy idea and building a billion dollar company four and a half years and selling it. And, you know, that's the type of stuff uh, I like working on. And so and recently it's been companies like Clay Versus with Delane Parnell, you know, raising $100 million, build an esports platform for high school students across America to uh, Liquid Death. And like to say, Liquid Death, which is, if you haven't had one yet, it'll murder your thirst. And there's water in a can in a tall boy. Really built up a, a brand that people just love. and. Uh, this circles back to genius and meeting Kudi and Chike, um, who are the directors. I had met Kudi at, like many things, uh, at an event, at a party where I was dancing. I was actually the only person dancing. And I uh, walked up to him, started chit ch chatting. And uh, that's how it's all started. Amazing. So I had my first liquid, dead lo liquid death last Tuesday. Um, oh, it was my where have you been? My first, my first gig since the pandemic. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, that more. Yeah. Well, so what's the, what's the, what's the take? Well, it's the fastest growing beverage of all time right now. It's, uh, we're in like 40,000 doors should hopefully double by the end of the year. Um, just hit 2 million followers on TikTok. You know, 800 some odd thousand on Insta. I think there's three some odd hundred people who've got tattoos. Uh, we just did NFT drop and sold out in four hours, you know, a couple million dollars in NFTs. I mean, it's the community and the brand that other people just love to be part of a couple of things, right? Hashtag death to plastic. So how do we make something cool so that you stop doing something else? And I, I kind of, in a way, this, the uh, Tesla's done it for 
electric cars and combustion engines, right? It's like you make something cool so that you don't do the other thing versus preaching to don't do the thing. Uh, don't drink plastic water bottles. It's harder to get the masses to do versus let me give you something really cool, super fun. It also just happens not to be plastic and get you vibing on that feel of why it's so much better than not plastic. And, uh, you know, it's not alcohol. It's not heavy sugar. It's not bad for you, right? Are we just, we have flat sparkling, it's all mountain water. It's, it's not tap water crap. Uh, we just came out with three flavors, mango, chainsaw, severed lime, and bury it alive. And it's only got three grams of agave and 20 calories. So it's like all you know, healthy, but it looks cool. Makes people feel confident when they're drinking it. Gives them the, something to talk about. People like, you know, the brand. It's really about the brand. Yeah. Are you, are you a fan of natural wine by chance? I don't drink. Been allergic to alcohol my whole life. I tried drinking in college a couple times thereafter, but doesn't end well for me so i i don't need yeah it's nothing i don't like the taste because i think i know the uh, reaction i get which is i get severely sick yeah yeah it's fascinating with natural wine it's only three percent of the wine market i've been running a natural wine club now for about a year what is natural i don't is it wine winner it's just fermented grapes so there are yeah. two there are 200 things legally you can add to wine in the u.s uh, oh, natural wine is just no added. I, I, I was, I don't, I mean, I've been to a couple of wineries where they make wine. I didn't know they add stuff that's not natural. Yeah. You want to hear something crazy? What's that? Uh, wine Spectator, which, you know, is almost like the Forbes list, right, of wine, was based on one guy's palate and he was a smoker. Uh, I didn't know that. I always thought they'd have to use a sommelier like that, you know. It's one guy's palate. So natural wine is not nat- or wine is not natural. Well, no. well, wine is natural, but it got commercialized. Oh, the, the additives. I didn't know what people put additives. Yeah. Anyway, I that's a. I know you don't drink, but that's a. That's what I've been drinking when I've been out, and I think it's going to mm-hmm. explode. I think we're going to move a direction where we all realize like alcohol is actually bad. Yeah. Well, I agree, but it's like you look at the organic movement, right? So that's penetrated yeah. every other part to, of life. Know, I, I would say move to psychedelics. Things that are actually natural and known, if not to be harmful. I think culturally, we'll get there, right? Yeah. So tell me, what's the consilience point between science, genius, your dancing? I think the it's a combination of what I kind of said, which is um, movement and expression and feeling which is, I think I moved through the world 24-7, loving what I do, which is working on ideas with founders, investing in companies, just interacting with people and trying to find the best out of them, right? So when I'm on the dance floor, my favorite thing to do is convincing that person standing on the edge of that dance floor, just step another six inches of foot in and let go. And there's this instant kind of smile when you get them, you know, that, you know, that moment, like dancing, you just awesome music, your song drops and you smile and you're like, yeah, that's addicting. So I love seeing that. And I mean, last night there was some great event, which was, um, uh, there was a couple of NFT events last night, the Golden Dow, um, event, which is, um, you know, I, I think one of the only Asian communities out there. 
that's really been promoting um, entrepreneurship in media representation. Um, you know, it's been one of those kind of long needed uh, organizations and they did a party last night. And I started at the dance floor and it was awesome to just kind of see slowly, but surely I got, you know, two people, five people, 10, 20, 30, 40, yeah, just, and it was fun. And that's, you know, it's, it's leading by example, showing people what they're capable of doing. And when they feel really let go, they can really enjoy themselves, and do something special. Um, I do that with founders, right? It's like, I, I love finding founders that just kind of aren't there yet, or they have, they have sometimes some insecurities or they're very confident, but nobody else believes in them. Right. And saying, you know, I believe in you. And so, uh, genius falls in the category. Cootie, you know, when I met him and said, I have 20 years, I've been filming Connie for 20 plus years. And I said, what do you, what do you mean? You know, like, it's like, I get bagfuls, duffel bags and old tapes of us hanging out. And, uh, so what do you get? You know, what do you do? Well, we were going to do a documentary. He said, but we just never did it. And you know, we kind of lost shots for a couple of years. And he was heading out to study service the next day. And I just turned up. So I was like, let's make a movie. Let's do it now. Now is the time. This was two, little over two and a half years ago. And kind of uh, November, right before the pandemic shut down, actually. And uh, it, yeah, I texted a good buddy of mine, uh, Nick Tran, who was at the time at Hulu. And I said, I met this guy. Like, He's the nicest guy I know. Like, I, that, I just instantly met and felt his energy. And if you've seen him, you saw him in the documentary, yeah. you can guess, you know, you got his vibe, right? Just, just he's a great narrator. He's a great narrator. Oh, yeah. He's just, he just, and he's just, he's all pure love. Like, he, he exudes, you know, his love of being his, is what God put him here, right, to do, right? He's very religious. And that just, just, I don't know, there's just something about him that instantly struck me. And I said, how are you not big? Right. He had just done the uh, 30 for 30 segment for CSPN. He just uh, finished the uh, Stephen Mulberry documentary, um, Kid from Coney Island. And, you know, he shot tons of music videos. But yeah, it's just like, how are you, how do I not know about, you know, how do I not know? Why aren't you directing big blockbuster movies yet? And... There was just, for me, I just was like, I, I want this product to be big because I want him in, in Chique to be big, right? I want the world to discover these two amazing directors who also, by the way, have we black and very underrepresented in the direction, you know, in, in the space of movie making. Um, and I think that's been really something that I, I really enjoy being part of, which is, you know, Helping for whatever piece that I am involved in the world of helping people is uh, a lot of folks who are underrepresented or never got the chance. Just let the world see what their kid broke down. I love that. So, so much to unpack there. I guess, so tell me, you, you meet them on the dance floor, you text Nick, but give me the story from there. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of steps yeah. between that and Netflix. Uh, it was from there. Uh, we pulled in um, two other friends, Kevin, um, well, Kevin Thomas is his um, manager. And so Kevin and Kudu, who I kind of met there, we just start chatting about like, 
what are we going to, you know, what do we need to get this done? And I have no experience making movies. I've been, um, you know, I've been asked many, many times, but I've always thought, hell no. <laughs> like, I'm never going to make, you know, the, the number one rule is you don't make money making uh, movies, is what I've been told. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've heard this, right? Um, and uh, for me, it wasn't about money at all. It was, again, this idea of this guy. And, and the reality is, I think I, I thought to myself, well, there's no way this doesn't. I lose all my money or I lose much money. But this could be something really important culturally. And I want to be part of it, which is all surrounded when you say kind of how's it connected, it connects to what I do for a living, right? Which is build, invest in internet companies, consumer internet companies that understand culture. So for me, it was partially uh, my own journey of like, can I be part of something that I think is going to be a really, really important part of culture? So Ross Martin, Ken Shearson, Nick and I funded uh, funded it. And uh, we partnered up with Time Inc. So uh, Time Media Time Inc. had spun out from, uh, you know, got sold to, um, and got sold to Benioff. And they now have Time Media, Time Studio. So they kind of provided all the studio time, editing, you know, it's kind of a, a support staff and team um, to help produce the movie. And, you know, from there, all of a sudden, you know, we're on Zoom calls about, you know, how to make a movie, who are we going to, what's it going to look like? And turns out he had 267 hours of content. It's a lot. And how do you tell a story what's never been done, which is 20 years of content from arguably one of the most fascinating individuals in the world, right? This isn't, you know, so 20 years ago, there's no, Tick, there's no internet. I mean, there's, there's no TikTok. There's no Instagram. It's like, why, why would you start video? He's using big camcorders, right? It's not recording things on the phone. I think if you look at documentaries today um, from mega stars like the Michael Jordans of the world, you're watching mostly news clips, right? And you're having, um, and even in Jordan's case, him narrating the story of himself. So it's, a be- it's the best version of that story. And, you know, you get Billie Eilish, you've had Bieber, but it's after they became big. And this is, I mean, Cootie, he saw it. He, he dropped everything 20 years ago to a guy who was nobody, right? Like a couple beats, hadn't really done anything, decided one following. That to me is fascinating. You're going to see the birth of somebody, which reflects what, in a way, what I do, right? He found somebody, he believes like, no, no, this guy, this guy's going to be big, just you see. And he was right. He picked it. And I, you know, that to me was like, most people, I don't care if you like Kanye or don't like Kanye, you watch a story, you'll realize that I think that's the story of all of us who are entrepreneurs, right? I believe in myself. My parents believe in myself. That's usually you and your family. Maybe if you're lucky, your your family can believe in you. And everyone thinks you're crazy, right? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they, they kind of um, tell you what you want to hear, but they don't really need it. You kind of saw that in the first episode, right? Kanye, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can rap, but do beats for me. And kind of, you saw him getting 
used a little bit. He got punked many times. He's strong. He evicted from his apartment. Like, you know, but he believed. And I think episode one is really, you can map that against almost any successful entrepreneur or I think individual. And I think everyone sees that in them, right? If they haven't made it yet, I think I've gotten so many comments from people that entrepreneurs themselves saying, I think they got more inspired after watching this, realizing that somebody like Kanye didn't have it all, didn't start, you know, didn't automatically have it. Like, I think, I think a lot of people probably assumed without knowing that, oh, it's Kanye. It's like most big stars today, it seems like they came out of nowhere. They were, everything was given to them as instant success, right? Instant success today is because of TikTok. Back then, you had to grind. And, uh, and that story, and then the story is, Uplessies was his mom. I think a lot of us can relate to that and how much love there was there and how much um, having a rock like that in your life truly makes a difference. And when he lost that rock, we all, I think, can relate to some sort of loss that we maybe had in our lives, what that impacts us and how we, how we deal with it. And I think um, there's a lot of empathy when you watch episode one. Absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think episode one is the best. I, 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 you know, I've watched it a few times now. Um, oh, wow. And episode two for me, it's interesting. Everyone has their favorites. I was going in actually episode two. I've seen so many edits. And by the way, originally we weren't sure what to do was one law looping. Yeah. Could we, you know, I think one of the first cuts I saw was in the, in the teens of hours. Wow. Lots of, I saw nine to plus hours of stuff. And yeah, it's all there. I mean, there's so good. There's so much stuff that, that we have to cut out. Do we make one? We Google to what's the longest movie you ever made? Like, could you make a four hour people watch that? Like, I don't know. Uh, is that been done? And then I think it made sense to make it in three acts. And we wanted to make each movie independent of its own, meaning yeah. you could watch. Two without watching one and three without watching two and one and they, each one should stand on its own and didn't we didn't want to make it feel like a a mini series it was three independent movies yeah act but it's different acts right act one is that from nothing to breaking right college dropout act two is like the ascension college dropout you know it, it, it through the wire just all of the become famous, become the mega star, mega star, mega star. And then act three is that, which was tough. I think that was really tough to figure out how to do three because one and two was the majority of that 267 hours, yeah. right? Act three, they lost touch for a fire. I think it was like a good five or six years. And you could see how much he had changed, you know, at the party. Yeah, yeah I think weaving in Cody's life, and his birth of his daughter, you can kind of see like what you know, the daughter, his daughter was born, and that was the gap right there. And you kind of see like, well, over that time, Connie drifted from what I think people saw in one and two, right? Which was, um, you could see it. And we, I think, delicately touched on mental health. Um, I think, which it is really interesting. I don't think we could have timed it better or just worked out, which is yeah. coming out of the pandemic to drop the movie when everyone's like, mental health is a thing, right? Like, holy shit. 
uh, what did we just do to the world? Yeah. Like, what did we just do? Like, we shut people off for two years, isolated them, and we will have, I think, the most detrimental thing that ever happened to humankind in the last two years, and we'll see it play out over the next 20. Yeah. Right? And mental health, and I like that we can publicly talk about these things, which we live in a world now that it's everything is nothing's taboo anymore you know what I'm nothing's taboo anymore and that there's good and bads of nothing being taboo because i think the pendulum swings a little too crazy to some degree but yeah um so episode three was this uh, uh, you could see that change and cootie felt like that rock right every time he's back with cootie everything's kind of back on that that, that like that smoother train and when he's not, things kind of went sideways and he was he pulled back in, pulled back out. And so, yeah, uh, to me, episode two is where that there's just too many great scenes in episode two of most death. I mean, just, you know, the, that was my thing, I think, episode two. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Everyone loves different reasons. Yeah. I was wondering if you're open. There was one scene that actually brought me to tears and I was wondering if we could watch it together. Um, and I'd like to have it on the podcast. Yeah. I, I don't want to reveal. I just want to show yeah, you. I'm excited because I, I probably saw a lot of version of it. Uh, you know what I will do, actually, Peter? I will give you, and I'm just going to, I'm going to give you a guess and then I'm going to play. And I'm curious if you are surprised by what it is, you know? Yeah, to me, it's the, I, my most, most emotional scenes were probably him and his mom. Yeah. And uh, it was long rapping, actually. There's just something so sweet and special about that. You know, it really shows a soft side of him. All right. So this is the scene. I want to play it. Oh, yeah. Oh, family business. Coming over. Wait, 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 wait. You got a, you got a rhyme on this already? I, I want to hear your rhyme. Yeah, that's cool. Time's the song, family business. So we like it. Yo, this is family business, and this is for the family that can't be with us. And this is for my cousin locked down, or the answers in us. This why I spit it in my song, so sweet, like a photo of your granny's picture. Now that you're gone, you hit us super hard on Thanksgiving and Christmas. This can't be right. Yo, you heard the track I did, man. This can't be like Somebody please say grace so I can say face and have a reason to cover my face. I even made you a plate. So fool, know how granny do it. Monkey bread on the side, know how the family do it. When I brought her out of God, I had to look all through it. As kids, we used to laugh. Who knew that life would move this fast? Who knew I have to look at you through a glass? And look, tell me you ain't did it, and you ain't did it. And if you did, and that's family business. I don't got one verse. I like family business. Let's stand out to Man, what the fuck is this right here? This question means he's That humanizes him, man. Absolutely. And like, I just, I don't know, like, I, I am tearing up, like, listening to that. Because like, for me, that, you know, my relationship with Kanye is very complex. And, um, you know, that's his best song of all time. And, and to me, that was oh, the, wow. that was the moment where you just, it's like, you can't even deny the match. Like, 
Scarface, he has no comments. Like, the, the scene ends, he goes, bro, I'm just leaving because I, I can't do that. No, so what's crazy is this. So, one, I, I love that scene because of the retainers. Him and the retainers, uh, you're like, wait, 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 Kanye, what? Like, what? This is the biggest superstar. The dude just left his retainers on all the time? Like, what the fuck? You, it, it shows you he's us, man. Like, yeah. he's just a normal, he's just a normal dude, right? When he's got retainers, right? And I think, I don't know, that's, that's the thing I, I think about a lot. Is I've seen, you see some of the memes of just like the retainer, right? <laughs> and uh, that humanizes him hugely. What you don't know that scene is Scarface left him out to dry. He didn't come back. So he said he's going out to get some food and he, he didn't come back. He never recorded. Scarface was supposed to record, right? He was supposed to rap on the album. So what you miss is he got dissed on it. Like, think Interesting. about that. Think about, like, that's a, like, he, I mean, it, yeah, Kanye took it like, oh my God, I got, I got, you know, Scarface here. Like, but ego crush. Interesting. Yeah. I read, it so, I read it so different because, because he's like, you know, then Cootie's like, and it was that moment to get that validation. 100%. There was 100% validation right there in that, yeah. right? So again, in that moment, there was validation. Yeah. Like, Scarface, like, holy, like, he, he did Janine, but then he didn't come back to record. Yeah. He was supposed, he was there to record, right? He was supposed to there drop onto the album. That's what, you know, that whole album was coming, asking all the favors. Hey, yo, could you? Could you do some lyric, do a verse, mm. do a song with me, right? Collab, collab, collab. And Scarface would, yeah, that's, that was, when I saw the edit on it, I was like, it didn't tell the version that yeah. was, I think, a little bit more hurtful. It was kind of that, it was framed as the breakthrough moment. It was, a, so it was, so that was funny as we talked about it. It's like, it was a breakthrough, so it's hard to juxtapose. It was a breakthrough, but at the same time, there was a diss. Yeah. Right, but yeah, there was. I mean, well, I mean, there's a, a couple scenes where Pharrell, you know, it's like th that scene, the Pharrell scene, like legit, and and you can kind of tell. And for it's it's really interesting. You kind of see the people, the people who who survived twenty years later yeah. to be legends. Yeah, it's not Scarface. I mean, I stopped the movie when I saw Beyonce at one of the shows. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. Beyonce, yeah. but but. But but the pe there's a couple people there, and Pharrell being the one who and most that like who genuine and you can kind of see weren't using Kanye for anything, right? Genuinely wanted to help, genuinely solve him, and encourage him. That are still big today, and Pharrell who is the still that next guy like Pharrell's that guy. 20 years like he's still like this i know if i don't i've I met for all i've no friends i know him well he's that same genuine guy you know he told him the thing and uh it's just because you kind of go back like what happened to that rapper what happened to that rapper that 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 career didn't go anywhere that right and there were a couple you and if you follow the path it was the ones who there were ones who just used them for beats and then those that like really worked with him yeah and understood and gave him a chance and one could argue where Jay-Z fits in that, but Jay-Z gave him his chance, but at the same time, you know, did. So like, it, it's a top, I think that's why the, the history of them are, is very complicated. 
like they're you know Jay Z. I think I saw an interview not too long ago. Like he considers him as a, they all like brother love, but there's like any complicated relationship with your brother. Yeah. Some you know there's a decade that it's not great, and there's sometimes it's amazing. But when you go back to mom, it's you know it's always good. Yeah. So so Cootie didn't have a, a term sheet. That's the difference between you two. Um, <laughs> And it was an illiquid investment for 20 years, not 10. So yeah. tell me about that. And do you feel like he got paid the way he should have done? It's interesting. Well, you know, Cootie isn't about the money. If it was about the money, he wouldn't have quit his career and go do that. I think he's about the art. He's about the storytelling. And what he'll tell you is very much like, you know, God is good. God is great. Well, there's that light in that, right? And then we, God is good, God is great. And uh, I'm not a religious, I'm not Christian, I'm a Buddhist, I'm not that heavily religious, but there's this interweaving of religion and I'm shown in that movie that continues to come back. In fact, um, at the premiere, uh, um, I think someone did post it, I recorded it as well. There, that, I'll pull it up. There was a post, at the premiere, Connie ended up showing up. And he says, you know, wow, looking back, like the word God came up a lot, right? And it was always centrally formed. And I think Cootie exudes that, like, everything happens for a reason. And the you know, good people eventually will get what, you know, what's theirs. And, and, and yes, financially, he's, you know, he's going to do well, I don't, it, everyone has their, what that means, right? Um, for me, it's been how many interviews, like, I, I just get excited that people, like, he's, he, the coverage on this was so crazy. And I think we'll continue. In fact, I think we have a call next week on just like updates on Netflix and stuff, because we, we still have, you know, we, that was all global minus China. We still will sell the documentary in China. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we want to do with all the cutting more cutting room clips and awards. I, I, you know, I, I didn't think of it when I first got part of the project and someone had, you know, at some point Netflix said the kind of people like award season. Wait, wait, what do you mean? And I mean, I, I hope they can get this qualified for you know, Academy for whatever it's worth. Academy now is <laughs> interesting, but it, I just want to hit out him and I want him to go on and become one of the greatest directors of all time. Right. Like he has it and he's still young. He just has a style that you you've never seen, right. That the way he, those transition edits with the old school projector, like that, that, you know, the fading, you can hear the projector clicking backwards and forwards. Right. You know, it's all about the edits. Yeah. Like that just, it just got that, it just gives you this really interesting feel, right? Um, and I think he's, uh, so here, I'll play this from here. Please, yeah. This man right here, this is right after the Anything you want to do that you, that you dream of, you can make happen no matter what. You know what I'm saying? I did the journey of me and this brother took, man. This is my brother. You know what I mean? Do I believe? Says Kenny talking Kanye. 
interesting he you know this premiere was really last minute i think 10 days before the premiere they decided to do it and so covid netflix was unsure and so it, it had to stay relatively small la you know the rules were um and uh they did a phenomenal job this like they built up this whole experience where you, like they set up two rooms that had just clips and furniture it's just that was like, hard to explain. I, I should post this because nobody would see that. Um, and uh, yeah, we sat in this room again, but maybe a hundred. I probably think through how many people, hundred ish people in the room. And Connie kind of rolled in a little late, sat up front, and he had this classic you know, black leather jacket with the hoodie on. And he was sitting there and uh, he's watching. I was sitting kind of six rows behind him to the right and I can kind of see his profile of his face and there was just a moment where he just starts smiling laughing you know and he throws his hood off and he's just huge smile and and the whole crowd is just laughing right um that's when I was like yeah that's we nailed it and you know like little things of him buying a porno bag like right on the and talk about he, how he's addicted to that. If you kind of fast forward his life, he's talked about how he's, you know, he's addicted to pornography. It started back then, right? So I think to me, it's those little moments that we captured uh, that was truly him. And I, what I kind of go back to, like, if you look at documentaries of icons, 
it's always a, I, I think the story has been told if, of two ways. One, you know, Jordan telling his version. Two, a narrator who was there telling a story through news clips or, you know, or produced today, knowing it's going to be documented for the right consumption audience, i.e. Um, the Billie Eilish or the, 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 you know, any of the recent docs, all great, don't get me wrong, but I think told in the story, knowing what the result, right? right they're, they're telling a story knowing where it's going to go, right? This is the first documentary I can think of where you have 20 years of following and being part of the story, right? Integrated in and out of it and seeing the real, 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 real happenings of somebody becoming, again, uh, uh, we call, you know, how funny is it that his dog was called Gen named Genius? Or they named Genius, right? But Genius was because if you watched him in China, He's designing it. He is, he is every stitch, every design, every piece. It's him, right? His fashion, it's him. His music, it's him. The words. And so we don't, I think the word genius is not taken lightly here. Like the dude is mad genius and it's hard. I think after this, hopefully people recognize like, oh, okay, I get it. And there's a really, there's a, um, you like uh, Vox? I really highly suggest this video. Vox has a series on YouTube and they do a Kanye vocal breakdown. And it was a one of, I saw this maybe two years ago. If you, if you search on YouTube, I think Vox Kanye mm -hmm. VOX. I recommend everybody watch it. It's Kanye deconstructed the human voice as the ultimate instrument. And it's five years ago, actually. Yeah, they posted. And it breaks down how Kanye like does things no one has ever done before. Like he, the way he does his beats, uh, 801, you know, uh, 808 heart, like a nine minute song, right? Uh, four minute melodies, like just, you know, uh, instead of this beat, he, he makes his then two speed beats and with perfect transitions, or he uses uh, John Legend's voice as a beat, right? He uses a, a Pulitzer Prize winner uh, voice as a background vocal. He uses a, a military grip. Uh, um, as the orchestra and just like the things that he does, you're like, oh, the sounds and the beats that he makes, and then the rapping, which he's always said he's not a great rapper, right? like his voice and grip, but he's a great rapper. He's a genius, and it's not just his music, his production, but his vision, his design. He's really in that, and I think it's really interesting. We have seven billion people on the planet. I truly believe now that why do we all assume that we're all evolving the same speed in different parts of our brain, which we all know is only single digit percentage activated at this point, right? There's trillions of neurons that are in our brain. There's billions have not been activated and touched. And I think that's why you see the Stephen Hawking's of the world. You see the Kanye's of the world, back in Da Vinci's of the world. You have artists, you have musicians. There's some people who just are brilliant in certain ways, right? You know, the best athletes in the world, the Georgians in the world. And I think everyone's slightly different, right? We're all different, but we all, and I'm sure you have a superpower. I have a superpower. We all have superpowers, actually. I think every human, every single one of us has a superpower. I think that's what's more inspiring than anything else. But we don't allow ourselves to believe that we have that superpower, actually. We all believe that, well, 
I'm different. That's weird. Why am I not like everyone else? But no, no, none of us are like us. We shouldn't be, nor should we be expected to be, nor should we be sitting in the construct of a society that says, you are in this box, you got to be it like this, you're supposed to behave like this, you're supposed to do this in life, and by this age, you're supposed to do this, and by this age, you're supposed to do this, right? Oh, you're this sex, you're this race, you're supposed to do this. Bullshit. I truly believe, like, if you seek and just go with where you really truly feel in love, I always ask people, to ask them for prayer advice. I'm like, what do you love to do? What do you just, you are the, you're just, you love to do and then it's easy for you, or you just love thinking about it. 24A, what do you love? That's what you should do. Oh, it's, I don't got how do I make money? Don't worry about that. Love what you do. And I think about that. There's, there's a, there's the most successful person, in everything and everything, because they're the best at it because they love what they do. I don't care what it is. You could be the best, uh, you, sound engineer the world, right? The best uh, artist, the best cook, the best whatever. And the reason you're going to win is because your competition can't wait to be done at five o'clock and at six, you know, five on Fridays, they're out. Whereas when you love it and you're like thinking about 24 seven, you move and interact through the world, trying to find opportunities to make it better, to, to find opportunities to love what you do. So I, I take that, uh, really, that hard activity. Kanye love. What is he? He loves creating. Loves. It doesn't matter. Clothes, shoes, music. Right. Obviously, music more than anything. But um, I've been told stories about you know, I know Scooter as well. He's told me Kanye paints. He, he's an artist too. He actually has sculptures and art. Like he's made that is amazing. Um, but I think you know, there's a part of his brain that is. Maybe just it could just be a million neurons firing that none of us have yet, but we have others. And you know, like everything though, kind of seen in episode three, sometimes there's trade offs, right? So, you know, part is, uh, and you and I think you can go through history and see that in some of the greats is nobody's perfect, and a lot of times when your brain is amazing at one thing some maybe it doesn't have as much muscle or exercise for some of the other things that makes sense so uh i think we should all have empathy for all walks and all people to say like it's not that you know sometimes sometimes there are uh, i believe in evil people and assholes and bad people and i think for the most part, it's choice. Some people are just, you know, part of the brain doesn't allow them to be not, you know, that evil person. I truly also believe that. So you kind of have to say, are they being true to themselves? Or are they acting that part? And uh, you know, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt that they, that's just the way their brain is wired. And that's just who they are. And they don't know any better. Yeah. Beautifully said. Two questions to, to end Peter. I mean, we could literally talk all day about this, but my first question is, so who are you in this process? You know, are you the dance floor? Are you just activating the neurons? And then second, you know, as it, as it kind of pertains to, to Kudi and the impact that you've been able to have, how do you size up the impact of genius against some of your most prolific investments? 
it's, I mean, I haven't sat back and thought of it. I saw the guys, uh, I think two weeks ago for breakfast, three weeks now, I get a good pub. And uh, it's starting to hit me when, because I think I get, you know, friends have told me the impact. I, I, I keep hearing people like, oh my God, that was really impactful. And I knew it wasn't going to be part of culture. I don't want to be kind of flippant and like that. So it, 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 I'm pretty confident now to say like, this is going to be one of the cultural libraries. Like it, it, it's a piece of culture now, right? This, I, I think it's, it, I, I think it's a piece of culture and that's different. Like that's legacy. Like I, I think it's going to be one of the things people reference for really, really long time. And that's cool. Uh, and it helps me do my job better selfishly. Honestly, it, this goes back to, I tell my LPs, uh, you know, we, people give me money to invest their money. Um, we have our third fund right now that we're closing. We have a, a rolling fund on Ageless. And I think I've always, and I've never really said it out loud. I use a lot of fun with Phil, Phil Kaplan two weeks ago. Phil Kaplan put it was my putt. He's a founder of distro kid, you know, distro kid. You probably do. Oh, real, oh, Jeremy's distro kid, uh, is a service where you upload your music and it publishes it to all the places. But it's a flat, I think what's he just like 99 bucks a year, just a crazy cheap. Um, 40% of all music goes, it's 20 bucks, you know, 20 bucks a year. Okay. He hasn't changed the price in, I think, 10 years. It's just been valued at over a billion recently. But Spotify bought it and they got bought out, uh, invested in. Um, but I was talking to him about it, this how it's one of my favorite people. I think we both realized like we're pretty good at product. Like we're, we're, like I think we're I think I'm good at what I do now. It's been where I like I've been doing science for 10 years, investing doing startups for 17 years. And I never really accepted and let myself say out loud that I'm good at this. Right. And uh that's why I it's I can't believe it. It literally just happened two weeks ago. I can't believe it. And it, it was weird to say it. And I think people don't allow them to say it out loud. Right. If, if I ask you, are you really, what are you really good at? What do you read at? Like you just, it turns out I'm really good at identifying cultural moments and building companies and products around that and understanding what people are doing. Right. I mean, that's, that's what I'm good at. And Genius is part of the that narrative. It's part of that story. Yeah. I saw it two and a half years ago. I saw Cootie. He's going to be one of the most important directors. Him and Chige of our generation. I think in this moment, this movie, this series, I think everyone's going to watch. Love her or hate him. Doesn't matter if you're a fan or not a fan. I think people should watch it and will watch it and realize like there's a lot of narratives, a lot of stories that underline that I think I relate to. But it is culture because Connie defines hip-hop and rap for this generation. Like, there's not many people. There's a couple, but he's definitely, I, don't, I think he's number one, but there's, I can't imagine anybody arguing he's not one of the top three. I don't know who the other two are, but, right? And uh, that's understanding culture. And that's, to me, the important part is being part of that. Look, the other is an, 68% of the fund of my last, I'll to go back to my work a little bit. And we have a $75 million fund we invested. 68% of the dollars, not companies, because I think that's a bullshit stat. Dollars went to black women 
underrepresented minority founders like that. It, it wasn't by choice. I have three white, I, my three co-founders at Science Partners are white guys, right? Like well, I'm Asian, but I don't know people think we're majority somehow, nonetheless. Delaney Parnell, he was, you know, his father's murdered before he was born, group of projects of Detroit. Met him when he was 24. He's 20, almost 20, should be 10 or 22. Raised $100 million, most of black entrepreneurs ever raised for his company in the first 18 months. I have three other black founders we're working with right now. I, to me, there's, you know, understanding culture, but also like understanding that people got to give them a shot and you'll see some greatness in that. And I think Kuri and Chike, I love the fact that I was a small part of giving them that shot. And there was a lot of other people. That's my legacy on this is like, I just, you know, and I remember every meeting we're going through creative. Hey, what do you think? You know, how should we edit this? And we, I get a little feedback, but I kept saying, guys, this is your, this is, this is yours, man. This is 20 years. Like our opinion means nothing here. What do you want to represent? And we'll support that because this is your project. I don't want to, I'm not going to say out, this is yours. And for what it's worth, it's like, I just provided some money and a network of people to enable it. And, um, you know, I'm helping do strategy. I'm who to sell to and how to market, you know, making the choice steps, Netflix, all these little things, um, and try to get as much reach as possible. Cause it wasn't about money too. I, I think. You know, we could have sold it for more money, but Netflix have the reach that we really want. You know, and it was, I think, more important that more people saw it and then we made money because it was never about the money. Is it, is it public what you sold it for? Yeah, 30 million. Um, there's other, there's a more to come behind that, but that I won't get into. But it was the most expensive uh, documentary I ever sold, which is a cool stat. Um, Reason is because there's no production costs, right? It's, it's really just editing. Um, movies usually, I mean, the movies cost more than they make. This did not cost us, other than, you know, the time and provided a lot of that infrastructure. The rest was just hiring, um, editing, paying for you know, rights. A lot of there was a lot of music rights. I had to get kind of. I think that was probably the hardest thing to do is get music rights. Which, and, yeah, how, it to me. and how involved was Kanye? Was Kanye? So Kanye was not. So it's called creative. It's a bit interesting. It's called creative control. Right? So they, I mean, they, they named this thing twenty years ago. Uh, and it was really important to have Pudi and Chike have creative control. This was not about the story that again. This goes back to this isn't a story that Kanye's like. I want the story to be like this, like this, this like it. He, we brought him on board towards the end. But initially, it was, and it was really important that Kanye had no, would not be influencing what that story was going to be, right? And I think, I mean, the audience deserves that. I think that to me, it was really, I think, it, yeah, I think the audience really deserves a version that is not Kanye's version, but a, a version coming from somebody who was there first person. And telling the story as he saw it and that he lived it and as truthful and as, you know, what, what it is. And so, um, Kanye was more involved, honestly, just to be we getting involved, helping us get a lot of the music rights and supporting the projects publicly. Um, tithing obviously was very strange given that who would have thought the Kim stuff would <laughs> be happening literally the week 
this was all chopping, you know, good and bad, I suppose. Um, so, you know, I think a complicated relationship with him and Goody, they're brothers. If, if it's you know, truly to have, you know, I've seen the interactions there and um, they are still very close, but it's, you know, it's, it's on and off of depending on what kind he's doing. And you know, it's obviously complicated. Like, uh, he's, he was not, I know he, on the Instagram, he posted, you know, the things about he needed to get final edit that did not happen. You know, that it, it was just lots of strange things happening, but ultimately it, it is the vision of Kuri Chike, that story. So were you the dance floor or the lights or the DJ or the music? I, I think, it, I think it, that in that story, I'm the guy who nudged, I'm the guy who convinced him to step onto the dance floor. Right. He was, he was standing on the sidelines, kind of like looking, going, man, maybe now, um, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, if that person says, oh, you know, I'll come on the dance floor after, after this drink. You know that person, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be right there. I, I'm just going to finish the drink. Just put the fucking drink down, man. I was like, oh, after this drink, why? Like, now, what if that... Like now, this song's great. Now just do it and not tell me. You're not gonna regret putting the drink down. You can always get another drink, but you don't you'll lose this moment right now. Right? This moment where my energy is gonna match your energy. I we give you a great time and you're gonna have fucking fun right now. And you're gonna enjoy it. Take it. Don't oh after this drink. Because that moment once you say that and you walk away, it's never coming. It's never gonna happen. It won't happen yet. Right. And I think I'm the guy who looked at him and like was balancing and like, come on, I know you won't this. Trust me, you're going to fuck it. It's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And he jumped on and, and we got the dance party started, right? We got everybody in, we got the investors, we got time, we got Netflix. And like, I was able to like corral everyone on the dance floor and you had to go that. And that's what I do. I do that for founders and startups and investments. And if you look at my Instagram, actually, it's funny. If you look at my Instagram today, uh, at Peter Fan. I mostly do my stuff on Twitter, uh, but uh, follow my Instagram at Peter Pamar on my Twitter. The Instagram will show you. The last two days, there was three parties where I literally nobody ever asked for. Twenty minutes later, it was on that. Sorry, I, I get people out. To, I get people let go, and I get people to enjoy themselves and be in that moment and just have something to talk about and just like interact with each other, meet strangers, and everyone's just like all of a sudden introducing each other and just like maybe there's magic there. To me, there's. I'm always looking for that magic collisions of people and, and I want to be all just like, I want nothing out of it. Like, if you go through my career and ask the people who've interacted with me, I don't, it's not about me, man. I don't ask for anything. I, the only thing I ask is people commit into letting things happen, right? And it's, uh, it's so much joy. I've been helped. I've raised a billion dollars for our startups at Science. Um, I've helped probably raise two billion dollars for other people's startups and it's just i love i love seeing people win who want to win and deserve to win and uh making those things happen it's probably the biggest joys of my life oh yeah well peter we'll end on that note my friend uh this was awesome and i hope you get to do this again after one of your legendary dance floor parties yeah, i feel bad i haven't watched the. i mean i watched the edits so many times i haven't watched the actual thing more than once and now i feel like i should watch the actual thing more than once um, but I still, I'm sure plenty of chances, but thanks for really, I, I, it means a lot that I, 
when I hear things like this, I pass it off to the team often, which is, and I, you know, to hear, I would like to hear uh, you talk about that scene and how important it is to you. It's a uh, special thing for being vulnerable. And like, you know, I think that's the other thing. Uh, people don't really express themselves as much as they should. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Thanks, man.